G'day and welcome to Kel's Gone Bush, the podcast where I'm bringing the craziest stories, characters and places from down under. Today I am going to discuss with you one of the craziest places I've ever been, but probably one of the most Aussie places I've ever been. So when I moved up to the Northern Territory, I decided to take a couple of trips down the Stuart Highway to see my family down south. Now, the Stuart Highway can feel like one of the loneliest places in the world. And in a way, it is because you're pretty much on your own in the middle of the desert and you don't really see a lot of other cars or trucks for fucking ages. And the towns are very few and far between. So you need to make sure you stock up on petrol wherever you can and hope you don't break down. But When you do get to these towns, some of them are pretty eccentric. So there's uh, Wycliffe Well, which is the alien capital of Australia, if not the world, which if you don't know it's there, which I didn't, (laughs) you drive in and it's just this town with aliens everywhere, even on the Australia Post box. And you're just like, what is going on? What is this place? And it's because it's in the middle of the Stuart Highway, or not the Stuart Highway, it's in the middle of the desert. Uh, It just kind of feels like you're on the moon anyway. So you walk up into this town, it's just aliens everywhere. You're like, fuck, am I in space? What's going on? Especially if you're on your own and you don't have a CD player, which is what happened the first time I drove down the Stuart Highway. But cheeky little plug, you can buy my book, Skimpy, to read all about that one. That was... um four days of trying to think of every fucking song I could remember. And it's hilarious the songs you think of when you don't have a radio or a CD player because I think I can Tina Turner's Rolling on the River or Proud Mary or whatever it's called. I think I sang that on repeat for 20 times and I don't even listen to that song. Where did it come from? Anyway, I'm getting completely off track. This whole episode is supposed to be on Coobapedi. So... Coobapedia was another one of those towns where I was just driving, nothing, nothing, nothing. I knew it was coming and I knew that uh, it was a bit weird because everyone in Australia has seen Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and Coobapedia was a big feature in that movie. And if you're into Mad Max, that is coming up on this episode because that was filmed partially in Coobapedia as well, which makes sense because it just looks like the apocalypse. Yeah, so I knew it was coming, but I hadn't quite prepared myself for what Coobapedia is. So you're just driving along, as I said before, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then bang, you've got this town with like holes everywhere. And I always knew about this because they're like, if you ever go to Coobapedia, don't go walking at night because you might fall into a hole. And when I got there, I'm like, why the fuck would anyone want to walk around at night in this place? It's just, um, well... Put it this way, there's not a lot to look at as far as landscape goes above ground. So I I probably wouldn't be walking around anyway at night. Um, I don't know where I'd be walking to really. But underground, on the other hand, now that is where Kubapedi gets very, very unique. So first I'm going to explain why the hell anybody looked at this place in the middle of the desert with not a lot going on and went yeah no this is a really good place to build a town let's build a town right here where there's fuck all water and it's 50 degrees that sounds like a great idea the reason they decided this was a great idea was because back in 1915 a 14 year old boy found a gemstone in the Australian outback and 
that soon became Cuba PD. And people from everywhere flocked to Cuba PD to make their fortune in opal mining. And little fun fact, most of the world's opal comes from Cuba PD, but there are no major mining companies compete within Cuba PD because you can't actually find opal through drilling. The only way to find it is to grab a shovel and get digging or a machine to tunnel things with. And uh, look, I watched a fair few documentaries on Cuba PD to get ready for this episode and Basically, they just make machines out of other machines and drill that way. And that might not be exactly what goes on, but I'm not very good at understanding what the fuck they're talking about when they're like, yeah, I just put this uh, motor on this thing and then I got that part from the scrapyard and I just welded that on and then you do this and you do that and then you just drill in and I'm like, oh, fuck, you've lost me, mate. Can you just, I don't know, explain it to me like I'm five or something? But yeah, so... That's good news for a lot of people. So, you know, you don't have to join the mining company. You don't have to ask for their permission or anything because they're not there. So, as I said, you just get a permit and start digging. And mines aren't the only thing people were digging in Cuba PD. Because it is so bloody hot out there, it made sense to live under the ground and that's what they did and that's why the indigenous people who were absolutely baffled by this behavior called it kubapedi because it basically means white fellas hole in the ground. These little dwellings carved out of rock were called dugouts and they were very very good at keeping the heat out. So good in fact that one of the documentaries I watched which was by Billy Connolly the comedian from Scotland and it's by far the best. I will link it to this episode so if you're interested in further Kubapedi information you can uh, check that out. But anyway he went into one of these dugouts which was holy shit it was like a mansion underground and it had an in-ground swimming pool and the dugout was so great at keeping the heat out that they actually had to heat the pool just so they could swim in it. It was that cold. After checking out this house, Billy then went for a round of golf, which is usually played at nighttime because it's so hot and they play with glow-in-the-dark balls, which I hate golf, but I think I could get behind that. Another funny fact about the golf course, they do have a keep off the grass sign, but you don't have to worry about it because there is none. In fact, you actually have to carry a little patch of that fake grass stuff so that you can tee off. Not that I know much about that or teeing off and I don't know why you can't just do it on gravel but I'm assuming that's because you'd hit the ball and gravel would go everywhere. Can someone let me know if I'm right? Anyway that's not the only sport they play in Cuba PD. Cuba PD also has an Aussie rules footy team that is called the Cuba PD Saints. The only dramas with that is that they have to do around a 900 kilometer round trip every time they play an away game, which costs them roughly $15,000 a year. So I'm guessing they do a lot of sausage sizzles to raise money for the funding. Or maybe the team just has its very own mine and they just flog off opals. That'd probably be a better way to raise money out there. Another thing they have out there, which you wouldn't really imagine, but it's a great place for it, is a speedway where they do um, the side cart racing and all of that sort of stuff. And the only reason I know about this is because when I went to Cuba PD myself, I uh, was staying there for the night and I had entered a road race relay through Triple J and they were running some summer competition. 
and my leg was the Stuart Highway and I had my car covered in stickers that said Queen of the Desert and all of this stuff. So it stood out, although it's hard to stand out in Cubapedia because there's so many crazy things to look at. My car happened to be crazy too. So I was parked at the main street and I was getting something to eat and this bloke's just staring at my car and he's like, oh, sorry, I just... um." what's going on? What's this Queen of the Desert stuff? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, this relay relay road trip thing I'm doing for Triple J, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I was actually in that movie. I was the guy that towed the bus away. And I was like, oh, fuck off. Oh, I have to like get all your details because I had a blog called Kel's Gone Bush and I wanted to do something on him. And so we swapped details and he added me to this Speedway community that they actually talk to people in the United States. So Cooperpedia must be huge over there. And I've been getting into a lot of US desert living documentaries and they're really fucking cool. So I think there's a lot of Cooperpedia like places over there and they kind of relate and I don't know. But anyway, this guy, his name was Nipper Crab. And um, I don't know the full story behind that, but I think his last name's Crab. So that could be the reason. Anyway, it was uh, it was really cool to meet someone and then to be added to this community because you just go there and you just think it's all underground and all people do is mine for opals. But they have, yeah, they have some really cool stuff going on. Talking of cool stuff, a bloke that listens to this podcast brought to my attention another bloke called Crocodile Harry. And I can't believe I didn't know about this before I went to Cooperpedia because it would have been right up there on my list of shit to do. Crocodile Harry was originally born Arvid Blumenthal, excuse my pronunciation. He was born in Latvia and immigrated to Australia and became a crocodile poacher in the 1950s and 60s, which I guess it was legal back then. He apparently killed as many as 40,000 crocodiles, hence the name Crocodile Harry. Some people say the Crocodile Dundee character Mick Dundee was based on Crocodile Harry, but it's been disputed that this was actually based on Rod Ansell, who was lost in the Northern Territory for 56 days with no supplies. But hey, who cares? Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. When Harry retired from catching crocodiles and killing them, he went to Cooperpedia and made his home in an underground cave like everybody else that goes to Cooperpedia. His cave is now famous, probably due to all the bras around the walls that were apparently from his conquests. I don't know where his wife fit into that equation, but apparently Crocodile Harry was quite the ladies' man. Whatever the case, he definitely found the female body quite interesting as if you go there, you'll see by all the sculptures lying around the place of half-naked women and even half-naked mermaids, which I guess, you know, mermaids would be half-naked anyway, wouldn't they? Because they've just got tails and just an upper body. But that's me thinking way too much about the subject. Harry's lair is also famous for featuring in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which was filmed in Cooperpedia, as I mentioned before. And holy shit, didn't those blokes have a fucking time and a half when they went to Cooperpedia? I'll get into that in just a second, but before I do, I'll just let you know you can still go and see Harry's lair, even though he did pass away in 2006. His lair still remains. 
And it's just out of town and it can be a little bit hard to find. So you might want to ask a local. There are some mixed reviews on TripAdvisor. I think the bad ones are from people that have no sense of humor and don't understand that this was back in the 70s. It was not in 2020 where everything went fucking haywire about, well, pretty much everything really. Yeah, so if you don't have a sense of humor, probably don't go because these are the reviews I'm talking about. One gave them two stars, which was generous of them, and said it was tacky. They said, couldn't see the attraction in visiting this site. There are plenty of other underground places to visit in Coober without hearing stories about this man's sex life. Which is debatable, really. I think I'd rather hear about Harry's sex life than the ins and outs of how a mining machine that was built from fucking this motor and that part and welded like this. Yeah, as I said, we've all got different interests and mine just isn't in mechanics. The next one goes on to say, it was a dump. This may tickle the amusement of the younger crowd, but we just found it a dump. Old, dusty and chatty knickknacks. Lots of travellers have written their names over every available space in this dugout. Have they never been to the outback? That's what you do when you go somewhere, you write your name. Well, maybe not on like landmarks like (laughs) the devil's marbles and stuff like that. I think that's illegal. But when you go to a pub in the outback, you fucking sign your name on the wall. That's just that's just what you do. What what where did these people come from? And they're Australians, so they should know better. Then they go on to say they asked for seven dollars per adult on entry. We didn't have any change on us, so weren't able to pay. Glad we didn't, as we didn't stay long and didn't find it worth the detour. Worth the detour. It's six kilometers out of Cooper PD. Clearly, you haven't been to the outback because most places are like 600 kilometers away and you didn't even pay. So what are you fucking whinging about? Oh, anyway, moving on from that, there are some good reviews and I will give you an example of those so that we can all have our faith in humanity restored. The first one says, weird and wacky, but a must-see. As we approached the property, we were met with three witches' hats and a Great Dane barking at us. Not to be deterred, we approached and the dog turned out to be super friendly to the point that he became, became our tour guide. It turns out the dog is owned by the caretaker who rarely makes an appearance. There is an honour box inside the entrance and that's it. You are free to wander through Harry's home at your leisure. The dugout has some weird and wacky displays and after reading more about Crocodile Harry, they were really no surprise. Definitely worth a look as I can't say I have seen anything else like it on my world travels. Another review said, what a place. This is truly an Aladdin's cave or wonder. So many versions of women, even my husband was amazed, particularly with the three boobed mermaid. Harry's photos and treasures are wonderful and we are so glad we made the trip and that Harry's friends share it with the public. I will return as I struggled to take it all in on one visit. And here's one that's short and sweet but pretty much sums up how I feel about Coopapedi in general, as does this bloke. Cool man cave. Interesting place, crazy as the crazy Cuba. A fun, quirky stopover for those that love the weird and wonderful. I think travel is what you make it and you have to be open to experiences and new and different things, especially in the outback where it's back in 1983 and they still haven't really heard about, you know, the 2020 
politically correct with everything movement and you're going to be offended by a lot of fucking shit out there. So if you don't like it, maybe just stick to the Melbourne art galleries and give the Outback a miss because seriously, some of these people were just in the wrong place. Now, the group of people that did love Coobapedi so much so that they made it into a massive, huge party was the cast and crew of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, as I've mentioned a few times in this episode. And, I mean, it's no great surprise. This is Angry Anderson, Mel Gibson, and a bunch of other crazy motherfuckers. They got stuck out in the middle of the desert. It was supposed to be a dry camp, meaning... They weren't supposed to have alcohol or drugs. But as Angry Anderson put it, once we got to the desert, it was on for fucking young and old. There was a lot of dope going around, a lot of cocaine and a lot of speed. They actually had to get a driver and a minder for Mel Gibson so he wouldn't end up in a jail cell while he was supposed to be shooting the movie. This was all documented in a book called Miller and Max by Luke Buckmaster, which basically just told the story of the shooting of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and the crazy shit they got up to. I'll read you a couple of things that were in the excerpt that I found and I will link the entire article below. And if you like what you read in that, I strongly suggest you buy the book because I reckon it'd be a pretty good one. I haven't read it yet, but I plan to. Anyway... When they were in Coobapedi, they got on the piss in town and being such a small town, it didn't take long for news to spread that there was a couple of movie stars in town and a whole heap of film crew people. Mel Gibson ended up hiding under a table in one of the local bars because <laughs> there were all these women that just wanted to get their hands on Mel. So in the end, they ended up just telling the women that Mel was actually Mel's body double and that Mel Gibson would be in soon and uh, they'd let, let them know when he was coming in. Angry Anderson also recalled the time that Mel nearly got shot after some crazy guy thought that Mel was after his girlfriend. Anderson recalled, I went into the toilet with Mel to have a slash. By that time, of course, we were all three parts cut. We'd been in the restaurant, we'd had dinner, We're drinking the Retsina. Don't know what the fuck that is. Okay, just Googled it. It's a type of Greek white wine. Well, there you go. That's why I don't know what it is. I don't drink white. I'm a red girl. Anyway, and then he goes on and some fucking beer and shit. Then this guy comes in and pulls a fucking gun on Mel. He's shouting, you've been fucking my girlfriend. This guy was a Yugoslav lunatic. He's saying, I'm going to kill you, you fucking cunt. Ranny, a friend and colleague of the pair, steps in between him and Mel and says, look, mate, no. He says the girl, with all due respect, or words to that effect, she's just telling stories. Mel's wife is in here with him, which she wasn't. I don't think she was anywhere near Cooper Petey. And Mel goes home to his missus every night. Anderson went on to say, this guy is saying, is this true? Is this true? We go, yeah, 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 it's true, it's true. He said it was only a little 22 fucking five-shot revolver, but if he had to stuck it up Mel's nose, it could have done some damage. That was the sort of thing that went on in Cooper Petey. Further on, one of the crew said, being the 80s, there was a giant ocean of drug use. During the shoot, police raided a location where one of the members of the stunt team was staying. Some crew believe it was a jealous colleague who tipped them off. This led to an emergency production meeting. The crew was told by one of the producers, I don't want to know who's got what. I don't know what you've got, but get rid of it. Anyone caught with drugs will be instantly dismissed. We're going to give you time to get rid of it. 
So everyone suddenly went out into the desert and buried their stuff. So to this day, if you want to go mining for something other than an opal, you may find some coke and some pills out in the desert somewhere. No guarantees, but you know, you never know your luck. Apparently, a few days after the raid, a handful of suspicious-looking strangers turned up on location in the middle of nowhere in a Bronco four-wheel drive. Angry Anderson watched as two of them got out of the vehicle and started mingling with the crew, while the other pair sat on the bonnet of the car and watched from afar. Angry Anderson, having a lot of experience with this type of thing, (laughs) suspected they were undercover police officers. He said a couple of the boys working on the crew had been ex-service like ex-military. Those boys had a bit of a walk around, came back and said, yeah, fucking oath they're cops, they stick out like dog's balls. Anderson announced he was going to stir the visitors. The performer took a bottle of water, walked over to the pair sitting on the bonnet and shouted, hey, does the force fucking supply you blokes with your own water? One of them looked at Anderson and says, what makes you think we're coppers? Anderson shot back, oh fucking please, you're like nuts on a fucking cow, tits on a bull. You're coppers and we all know that, you're here because of the drug bust. The mysterious men insisted they were just sightseeing. When the other two men returned to the vehicle about 15 minutes later, the four of them drove off and were never seen again by the Beyond Thunderdome cast and crew. I personally think they just thought, fuck it, they're in the middle of the desert, who are they hurting? We'll just uh, leave them to their own devices Cannot be bothered with handling this bullshit. There's four of us and there's about 20 of them. And uh, yeah, to be back in the 80s. What a time to be alive. But uh, if you want to read more about those crazy stories and antics of Mel Gibson and the rest of the crew, as I said, I will link the article below and all the details of the book will be in that article. Cooperpedia is definitely one of those places where there is more than meets the eye and there's probably so many stories out of that town, you could probably fill several books. But I definitely think it's somewhere everyone should visit at least once. Even if you fucking hate it, at least you can say you've done it because it's very quirky and there is so much cool shit to look at and to do and if you don't like all of that you know bras on the walls and half naked women just don't go to Harry's cave all right but check out the graveyard check out the golf course check out the underground hotels and shops and you know do a mind tour if you're into that sort of thing I personally wouldn't want to walk around looking at holes I find other things more interesting like half-naked women and bras on the walls and stories about crocodile hunting but each to their own there is something for everyone it's the history it's the you know the fact that it's not how everybody lives it's just a really cool location and yeah definitely do it I recommend doing the entire Stuart Highway you might not think there's a lot out there in the middle of nowhere but it's where you find some of the best places Like I said earlier in the episode, you could be driving through nothing for three hours and then all of a sudden you're in a town with aliens fucking everywhere. It's like aliens just came to the town and threw up on everything. It definitely makes the drive way more entertaining. That's it for today, but if you want to read some of my stories on my travels and going from the Gold Coast to the middle of the bush in East Arnhem Land, then into Darwin and down the Stuart Highway and back again. I will also link that to this episode. It's called Skimpy, Outrageous True Tales of Crocs, Snakes and Pulling Beers in the Top End and it's available through Hatchet. 
and all good online bookstores. And if you're on Facebook, you can join my group, Kel's Gone Bush the Podcast, or my page, Kel's Gone Bush, for all of the latest on this podcast, when the next episode is coming out, and what I'm planning for the next episode. That's it, guys. If you're still with me, cheers for listening, and I'll be back next week with some more crazy shit from Down Under. 